superior news and issues from a superior point of view. The Wisconsin Great Northern Railroad, the Apostle Island Sea Caves, and John Dillinger's hideout are among attractions in our area, but have you visited them all? It was tough doing the research. I drank at every microbrewery, had prime rib at every supper club. I did it for my readers. We'll talk with the author of 100 Things to Do in Wisconsin Before You Die. Plus, he's been lauded as a young jazz guitarist who's recruited veteran musicians to round out his trio, or quartet. We'll catch up with the Dan Nelson Trio. I'm Robin Washington. So how well do you know Wisconsin? And specifically, how well do you know our part of the state? Like locals everywhere, residents in our area are proud of our iconic landmarks and tourist spots, even if we don't get around to visiting them ourselves. Speaking personally, it took me years to visit Hawk Ridge and Duluth, now one of my favorite spots, and I still haven't seen the sea caves of the Apostle Islands. But someone who is doing her part to change all that is Donnell Gay of Sun Prairie, the author of 100 Things to Do in Wisconsin Before You Die. And she joins me now while visiting one of those sites. Welcome to Wisconsin Public Radio, Donnell. Why, thank you. Thank you for having me. So where are you through the magic of the cell phone? And I'm assuming <laughs> you can get service wherever that is. I am actually in Appleton, Wisconsin right now at the Atlas Science Center. Okay. And I understand they have something there called the Big Sneeze. <laughs> well, they have all sorts of amazing things here. It's a former paper factory, but it's a huge STEM center. So they have amazing things for families and kids. Um, and they have a section called Health and Hygiene. And let's see if it goes off right now. All right. Hopefully this gives you a sneeze. So it's just kind of fun. You walk through and it's like a kid pretending to sneeze it looks like giant hands with a kleenex and all of that it's just it's very funny here it's interactive educational so many different layers of learning for kids i just just one of those places that you love to bring families you know kids two to 102 all right well of course we're more interested or most interested in our part of the state and your book indeed covers the entire state before we get to some of those specific ones have you personally been to all 100 or is there still time, I hope, before you die? <laughs> I actually have 191 things in the book. I was a little creative in some areas. and Oh, okay. Well, don't die on us. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, you know, it was tough doing the research. I have done them all. I drank at every microbrewery, had prime rib at every <laughs> supper club, kayaked Door County. It was a challenge. I did it for my readers. <laughs> <laughs> what dedication. Yes. Right. Oh. Well. There is a lot to take in here, but don't fret. Get your pen or pencil or computer keyboard ready. We will have a listing of all the attractions we mentioned at the end of this segment. So uh, let's look at some of those in our area, uh, starting by heading a little east. If we want to get away from it all and hide out, we could consider Manitowish Waters 
And who would we have found there 100 years ago or so? Oh, yes. Um, Dillinger. So you have Little Bohemia Restaurant and Dillinger had hit out there with his gang and they had a big shootout. The rumor has it that the money was buried there. So treasure hunters still kind of check it out. But um, Little Bohemia is a fun restaurant to eat at. Well, Dillinger certainly endorsed it. The FBI actually has an account of the encounter with agency historian John Fox. Let's take a listen. Through a series of spectacular bank robberies and jailbreaks, John Dillinger had become a nationally known criminal. We had been tracking him for a while, had a couple of near misses where we had almost had him, but he got out just in time. Our Chicago office received a call about 10 o'clock on the Sunday morning of April 22nd that John Dillinger and several of his Confederates were hiding out at a small vacation lodge in northern Wisconsin, a place called Little Bohemia in a town uh, near Manitowish. By 6 o'clock that night, our agents had arrived from St. Paul in Chicago. Little Bohemia was a vacation lodge. You had fine dining and dancing and basically um, a good time to be had. And so they began heading down the road, lights off, very quietly, very softly, agents hanging on the outside of the car. The agents got out of the cars when several men came out of the lodge, began to drive off. Agents yelled, stop, federal agents, police, stop. But the men had been inside drinking and having a good time. Uh, they didn't hear the agents. Our agents opened up fire on the car. The driver was killed. Turned out he was a civilian conservation corps worker. Uh, Dillinger and his Confederates were upstairs in the lodge on the second floor. Began firing out one of those windows there while our agents ducked for cover and to try and get a better uh, place to defend themselves and to fire back. Dillinger and his men got out the back of the lodge. They were able to get out of the area very quickly. The evening had even more tragedy. Babyface Nelson arrived and stole a car and ended up confronting our agents, killing one of them, injuring the other, and seriously wounding uh, the local police officer who was with them. And that was an account by FBI historian John Fox of the attempt to capture John Dillinger at the Little Bohemia Resort in Manitowish Waters in 1934. Little Bohemia is one of the 100 things to do in Wisconsin before you die, compiled by prolific author Donnell Gay in her latest book. So Dillinger was hanging out there during Prohibition, and you mentioned breweries, and we've got no end of breweries and microbreweries and free samples. I see you've got some listed in Spooner, in Bloomer, in Pepin. Um, I think the current count is 487 microbreweries in Wisconsin. I could be wrong on that number. I'm sure someone will be great to correct I'm me. I'm shocked. In Wisconsin, we have 487 microbreweries. Yes. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> but I, they're not all created equal. I love the ones that have food because if I'm going to do a flight, you know, that's four glasses of different kinds of beer, usually a five or a seven ounce. Um, give me a pretzel or a flatbed pizza or something to go along with it. But um, it's fun getting everybody's take on what they brew and the flavors they pull together. Um, so I just think microbreweries are kind of a fun thing to check out. And I love doing the different samplings. And I see specifically you have Round Man in Spooner. Can you tell us about that one? So, I mean, it's like a state law in Wisconsin that you have to have old fashions. And Round Man, besides being a microbrewery, they have, it's really cool. It's a fireboxed old fashioned. So, I mean, 
I'm a brandy girl. I think it's like the state law. You have to drink brandy in Wisconsin. I'm pretty sure I read that. We, we have a lot of state laws that you have to do something, yeah. drink something, but go ahead. Yes. So they actually use whiskey. So I let them pass on the whiskey, but they do. It's like an orange bitters and they firebox smoke it. And it was absolutely incredible. It's fun production watching them make it. But, oh, my gosh, it was amazing. And then they have, like, this duck nachos dish that I like. Everybody has got to try it together. It's amazing. I think I'm actually there next week doing a book signing pretty soon, or the 18th or something like that. One that I mentioned in my introduction was the Apostle Islands National Lakeshore. Uh, you mentioned that, and you mentioned the sea caves, but they're not the only caves in the state. You have the Irvine Caves Park and Crystal Cave, which are not too far from our area. You know, I love the fact that Wisconsin is so geologically diverse. We are so lucky to have so much variety in our state, and the nature is just amazing. You can reconnect, um, recharge yourself, learn getting out in nature, and caving is a fun way to do it. Um, I mean, we are even blessed with 50 state parks, you know. So if you've never done it, go to a cave and caves are usually the same temperature year round. So hmm. that's the best part. Wait, wait, actually around here, that could be 20 below, which, what is it? <laughs> I always joke. I say may, yeah, it's may. It may be 20 degrees. It may be 70. We're in Wisconsin. <laughs> but usually the state part, or usually the caves have the same temperature inside them year round. So when it's freezing cold, go in and we'll feel warm when it's super hot go in there and it'll feel cool so um caves are just a great year-round adventure to check out and specifically the irvine park caves uh or the crystal cave anything you can say specifically about them i can't say too much because then you won't go there to check it out for yourself (laughs) i can't tell you everything you have to that's the beauty of this book i mean i'm using this book to give a million dollars back to wisconsin nonprofits, and as i go around doing book signings and donating money back that is a drop in the bucket compared to the adventures that people use it for. People taking the book and going to these places, checking them out themselves. That's the real power of this book. Going into the restaurants, going into the nonprofits, going into the museums, um, using it like a passport to fun in the Badger State. That is the power of this book that I wrote. All right. Well, I'm going to ask you, though, to describe the next one in as much detail as you can, because I'm not sure I'm going to um, make it there in this lifetime or any (laughs) other from what I've already read. But uh, the Fred Smith Concrete Park in Phillips. And, uh, And as something of a disclosure, I'm on the board of the Duluth Art Institute. And I will say, from what I've read, we're not likely to request an exhibit of their work. But go ahead. Tell us what we might find. (laughs) I was just there yesterday because I was at the Governor's Fishing Opener Weekend. And so I was right in that community. You know, folk art, people are really starting to get an appreciation for it. It's a very unique and hard to describe thing. Um, The John Michael Kohler Art Centers have also done an incredible job on preserving this and bringing some of these stories to life and funding this. But when you go through a place where there's 100, 500, 1500 pieces of work done by an artist that used what items were available for their medium. And it's hard to explain, but it's just an incredible thing to see and experience. To walk through concrete statues that are as big or if not bigger than you in an outdoor setting 
it is just, it's an incredible experience. It's one of those things that you just need to kind of check off your list. Okay, so it's best described as folk art made of concrete. They're concrete statues, and they worked bits of glass and stone and things like that into for the, like, the decoration, like maybe a fish for, like, the scales or feathers for a bird. Um, It's just an incredible insight into what somebody had in their mind and the materials that they worked with to express themselves on their art. Okay. Well, maybe I won't speak for the Duluth Art Institute after all. (laughs) You have uh, several drive-in theaters and there's one in Chatech, which I see is just open this week. That's the Stardust. How many states do not have drive-in movie theaters anymore? And, you know, it's a great outdoor experience. A lot of these places now, they also, you know, before it gets dark and they light up the screens, they have like play centers for kids. People back in, they take their lawn chairs out. They have picnics. They might have their dog with them. They're playing Frisbee. It's kind of like stepping back into a simpler time and they're just having fun. It's becoming a social experience. We're speaking with Danelle Gray. She's the author of 100 Things to Do in Wisconsin Before You Die. We're talking about some of those things in our area and a bit beyond. We just mentioned the drive-in theater in Chatech. Uh, what if I don't want to drive? Can I take a train? Hint, hint. Wisconsin Great Northern. <laughs> Spooner train ride, huh? You know... They made 10 shovel nose steamers in the 30s. These were like incredible because, you know, you had three cars plus your engine and these could go over 100 miles an hour, which was just incredible back then. Um, I believe seven of them were lost to history, tour in museums. And then Spooner got the Mark Twain Zephyr. Um, one of the museums in Chicago actually couldn't do all four, the engine and two cars. So they got the F.E. Dean and Spooner also. So it's actually four cars plus lead engine. And it's the only place in the world that you can ride a Zephyr. It's really pretty cool. They've done a beautiful job restoring it. And they have a lot of fun things. They have like a train B&B overnight experience. They have... Um, like a wine and cheese train. They have a pizza train, fun things to do with the kids. It's really a kind of a neat place to go. Then who doesn't love trains? Well, for those who do love trains and all the stuff we're talking about, I'm going to review all of them and maybe give some phone numbers and URLs uh, before we go here. But before we get to that, okay, you mentioned a lot of them that I'm sure are candidates for this, but what is the most unusual or wackiest or just the one that made the biggest impression out of your, not even your 191, just your 100? And that can be beyond our region, too. Oof. You know, a lot of people say, like, what was your favorite thing? And it's kind of like, who's your favorite kid? I mean, I know that a lot of parents actually have one, but they'll never do <laughs> it. Um, it, it. For me, it changes from day to day. If I feel like I want to be outdoorsy, maybe I'll go to Devil's Lake, you know, it's like, or hike the Ice Age Trail, or maybe it's a day I want to feed my mind. So I'll come to someplace like the Atlas Science Center, Um, or maybe, ooh, I need a prime rib. (laughs) I want a prime (laughs) rib dinner. So I have to hit a supper club. So maybe I'll go to like Contapio's and Beaver Dam is just down the road for me and their gold star family. So it kind of depends. My top pick might change from day to day, just like your favorite kid might change from day to day. Depending who just broke something, right? (laughs) All right. Well, we're speaking with Danelle Green, the author of 100 Things to Do in Wisconsin Before You Die. Where can we get your book? I'm everywhere from uh, Barnes & Noble to Amazon 
or if you check my website, travelingcheesehead.com slash book dash events, you'll see where I am all over Wisconsin signing books. And that day I am donating the profits to the places that I am at. All right. Uh, back to the giant sneeze. You want to try to give it one more opportunity to sneeze for us? Sure. Let me get back over there. I've been walking around. I love this place. There's so many fun things to see and do. All right. And tell us again about the Science Center. So it's the Atlas Science Center. It used to be called the Paper Discovery Center. And it is in a former paper mill, actually, here in Appleton. So let's see if we can get the sneeze making louder. <laughs> All right. We've been speaking with Danelle Gray, the author of 100 Things to Do in Wisconsin Before You Die. And if you're not satisfied with that, you could ask her for 91 more. Thank you for joining us, Danelle. Thank you so much for having me. And get your pen and pencil ready or your computer. Here is a rundown of a few of the things that we mentioned. The Little Bohemia Resort in Manitowish Waters can be reached at 715-543-8800 or littlebohemialodge.com. Again, 715-543-8800, littlebohemialodge.com. Danielle's favorite local microbreweries are the Round Man and Spooner, 715-939-1800, or roundmanbrewing.com, 715-939-1800, roundmanbrewing.com. She also likes the O'Neill Creek Winery in Bloomer, 715-568-2341, or o'neillcreekwinery.com, again, 715 715- 568-2341, O'NeillCreekWinery.com. Vela Beleza Winery and Vineyard is in Pepin, 715-442-2424. Vela Beleza, that's V-I-L-L-A-B-E-L-L-E-Z-Z-A.com. 715-442-2424. You'll find the Stardust Drive-In Movie in Chautauqua at stardustdriveinmovie.com, 715-458-4587. Again, stardustdriveinmovie.com, 715-458-4587. Fred Smith's Concrete Sculpture Park in Phillips is at 715-339-7282. Yes, the Concrete Sculpture Park has a phone number. It's also found at wisconsinconcretepark.org. Again, 715-339-7282, wisconsinconcretepark.org. The Apostle Islands National Lakeshore has the Sea Caves in La Pointe, and the Irvine Park Caves in Irvine Park are in Chippewa Falls. Neither of those have web addresses or phone numbers, but there are for Crystal Cave in Spring Valley, 715-778-4414, acoolcave.org. Again, 715-778-4414, acoolcave.org. The Wisconsin Great Northern Railroad is at 715-635-3200, spoonertrainride.com. Again, 715-635-3200, spoonertrainride.com. And finally, the big sneeze you heard is from the Atlas Science Center way down in Appleton, because that's where Donnell was speaking to us from. 
920-3807491 atlasciencecenter.org. Again, 920-380-7491 atlasciencecenter.org. And of course, do consider getting the book, 100 Things to Do in Wisconsin Before You Die by Danelle Gay. Her website is travelingcheesehead.com. Yes, travelingcheesehead.com. And it's available at all major booksellers. Coming up, they're usually a trio and sometimes a quartet, but always jazz. has been described by the Duluth Reader as a young man, we'll let him tell us just how young, if he's not too shy about that, who is something of a prodigy on jazz guitar. He's put a group together, and maybe a couple different versions of it, with others who may have a few years on them, but the same dedication to jazz, which they performed at area venues such as Sir Ben's in Duluth and Castle Danger Brewery. They're also the house band, I think I can say, at WTIP Community Radio in Grand Marais, where pianist Martha Marnaka is a show host, and where they also get our signal loud and clear. Bassist John Gruber rounds out the trio, and they join me now. Welcome to Wisconsin Public Radio, Dan, Martha, and John. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us on. So in a couple of write-ups in the reader, I saw you listed as the Dan Nelson Trio and also the Dan Nelson Quartet. So there's three of you here right now. Is somebody missing? Uh, well, yes and no. <laughs> we generally uh, get engagements that can only accommodate one to three people. So there's only been a handful of times when we were able to include a drummer. Okay. And who is the drummer when you include him? That drummer is Mike Reeves. Well, you can tell Mike we said hi, and he's welcome to join us at some point, too. So as I said, you're in the northern reaches of our listening area, though I have heard you can get us uh, our, our signal all the way up in Canada, and you play down in the Twin Ports. But tell us where you're from. Are you all from Grand Marais, or how would you end up there? Well, actually, none of us are from Grand Marais. We all currently live there. Uh, John Gruber is originally from the Twin Cities. Dan is originally from the Twin Cities. And I spent most of my life in Wisconsin. Which is why you're on Wisconsin Public Radio. Where specifically? Uh, Most of the time in central Wisconsin, around Stevens Point and Amherst. And then I started moving farther north at some point, lived for a while near Park Falls, and then eventually lived up in Bayfield County by Cornucopia and Bayfield and Washburn, Ashland area. And I'm thinking that you got on an ice flow and the next thing you knew you were in Grand Marais. That's right. I guess I kept heading north and this is about as far north as I can go. Before you need a passport, which you have to have these days. Jazz is all about the reinterpretation of classics and standards. And many of those weren't jazz songs by any means to begin with. One of my favorites is uh, John Coltrane's recording of My Favorite Things, which of course is from the Broadway show, The Sound of Music. And it actually predates uh, Julie Andrews in the film version. But Coltrane certainly had his own original work. 
So how about you? Originals or standards? Dan? Well, um, I've, I've written some original music in the past. Um, and but, but I think most of what we're doing, pretty much all of what we're doing right now, is uh, covers the tunes that people know. And then we try to give it a sort of a, a nice treatment that is uh, it's so, sort of individual to us. Um, and what is it that you do that makes it your own? Well, it's hard to say. You know, it's, uh, it's kind of like when you turn on a recording of, of two different jazz guitarists, you know, all the sounds are when you when you try to quantify it, it's very similar, but you can tell immediately whose voice it is. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's something that anybody has anytime they approach music is your voice is so individual that no matter what you do, it comes through. And so so John, uh, his, his voice, not metaphorically speaking, but his actual voice is really it's, it's kind of beautiful and unique. Um, and so we have we have that to offer the music. Um, Martha's got a real ear for groove music. Um, songs that come out of left field that you don't realize are amazing songs and then you start playing them and it's like wow that was a great tune <laughs> and uh, and then I, I just get the privilege of playing with them so <laughs> all right well uh, rather than talk about it and imagine it let's hear some of it uh, let's begin with a Horace Silver composition the Jody Grind anything you want to tell us about this before we spin it well that was one of my picks I'm a big Horace Silver fan and I like his uh, his Latin groove that he has, but this one is more, I guess I'd say, funk. Would you agree, Dan? Absolutely. It's just got a a rhythm that is is compelling. It just pulls you in. Well, you're a pianist too, uh, Martha. So it's not surprising you'd pick the pianist, right? <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Which one do I have the best solo in? Oh, I'll go with the Horace Silver. Yes. <laughs> no, actually, but you know that's the funny thing. Dan is really the standout in that. All right. Well, as I said, rather than talk about it, let's hear it. Here is the Jody Grind by the Dan Nelson Trio. Thank you. 
And that was the Dan Nelson Trio, and I'm correct in trio, right? Because I don't think I heard a drum in that. Playing the Horace Silver composition, The Jody Grind. We're speaking with the trio, composed of guitarist Dan Nelson, Martha Marnaka on keyboards, and bassist John Gruber. So how did you all get together? You looked around in Grammaray, and there you were. Well, I guess I'm going to answer that question, too. I uh, fill in for this, the community swing band in town here in Grand Marais and uh, one practice a delightful young man showed up and although he doesn't play solos in swing band I heard him playing and asked him if he wanted to get together sometime and play some jazz and I already knew John Gruber so we played and it was kind of a nice experience so we've kept doing it it's been um over a year and a half now and as i quoted the reader talking about a young man and you just called him a delightful young man uh all right young man dan how old are you or can you tell us so you know the thing is, is that i'm actually not that young i'm, I'm 28 <laughs> but um <clears throat> but I've, I've been blessed with short height so i think i think uh, by the time i'm 40 i'll probably look like i'm 30 so i got that going for me <laughs> all right we're not going to tell anybody <laughs> Your secret is safe on the radio, too. So, uh, John, uh, you should weigh in here, too. Uh, how much older are you and Martha? Yeah, well, age is pretty relative. That's why Dan seems so young, because I'm quite old. I've been, <laughs> I've been playing in Cook County since 1990. And before that, I played blues in Minneapolis uh, for a long time. So I'm coming more from a blues roots and uh, for me to start playing jazz at this point is kind of a stretch. But hmm. what I really enjoy about playing with Martha and Dan is singing behind them and with them. And Dan has a real knack for supporting my phrasing and, and my melodies that I sing. So I think that's part of the, the style that we're developing. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, Dan seems young because... Martha and I are pretty old. <laughs> I'll jump in here. I'll say John and I are both grandparents. So that'll give you an idea. All right. Well, so is yours truly. And it's a wonderful club to be a part of. It is. Yep. Uh, John, you just mentioned bluesy. That actually goes to another one I kind of had queued up here. The Miles Davis tomb, Bags Grew. Uh, any commentary on that? Uh, well, that's another one of my picks. That's actually Milt Jackson. Oh, and uh, Miles, okay. well, Miles Davis did it with his group, and it's probably most famously done by Miles Davis. And I like that one. Once again, it's pretty groovy, and uh, it follows a blues format. I try to pick things that an audience can understand, I guess. So let's hear the trio play the Milt Jackson tune as interpreted by Miles Davis' Bags Groove.
That was Bag's Groove, performed by the Dan Nelson Trio, composed of guitarist Dan Nelson, Martha Marnaka on keyboards, and bassist John Gruber. We're speaking with the trio. I was about to ask, who are your influences? Wow, we all have different influences. Let's start with John Gruber. Well, like I said, I kind of come from a blues background, and when I learned to play guitar, that's what I listened to. And um, when I moved to Cook County, I got a bass because I realized there are hardly any bass players here. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a long time ago. And now I don't, you know, I, I don't really listen to music very much because I, I'm hard of hearing. <laughs> <laughs> no, my influence has always been roots music, blues, reggae, R&B, gospel. Um, not so much jazz until the last couple of years. And I'm realizing that um, that's a, a whole world of intriguing ideas. And so I'm real excited to keep exploring that. Mm -hmm. You intrigued me there about not listening to music. Do you listen to, like, for instance, the Miles Davis or the Milt Jackson recording of Bag's Groove before you do yours? Or uh, one more little tidbit about uh, my favorite things. I'm told by uh, McCoy Tyner that Coltrane actually showed up with the sheet music for it. So I don't know if they actually heard the original Broadway version by Mary Martin. You know, I when I'm going to learn a song, I refer to the original uh, and listen until I absorb it and hear it. I don't use uh, sheet music at all. Mm -hmm. And so I might write down a progression of simple chords. And then as the bass player, I learn how to play around those chords. But I don't really read music per se, but I refer back to the original and listen over and over until it feels good to me. And then I'm ready to play. Mm -hmm. Dan? I think, uh, I, think it's, I think it's essential to listen to somebody else's version of the song first because it gives you kind of a blueprint of what works and what doesn't. And, and, uh, and a lot of times they're closer to the original intention of the artist, you know, so you can kind of pick up some things that maybe... The, com the composer really intended for the song hmm. that just looking at the paper, you wouldn't be able to sort of uh, pull out of it. And Martha? Well, I like sheet music. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I did play piano a lot growing up, it was classical music with you play every note as written and you would never even consider playing something outside of what was written. So it's been a real challenge for me to try to do justice to jazz or or blues sometimes we play more blues or r&b uh, selections so that's been hard for me to let go of that feeling like i need to look at the music all right well between the three of you we've got two and a half different approaches so i'm gonna say it works <laughs> uh martha you've got a radio show which means you have a built-in house band uh, but where can we learn more about the trio's music well, that's a good question. My radio show is generally just music that I've picked out, and um, I don't feature much of our music. So you don't have we to be just... shy about putting yourself on your show. Well, let's go out to who's been talking, and I want to say this is by Helen Wolf, but now I'm a little nervous. Am I correct? Yes, you are. But there's kind of an interesting backstory to that. I'll let John explain it. Yeah, this came out of my blues uh, background, but when I was learning to cover blues, this particular song, I decided to change the rhythm from kind of a, a Latin shuffle blues to a straight 16 beat, and it gave it more of a more of a drive, I think. 
And so I've been playing the song for about 40 years. And when I brought it to Dan and Martha, it, it just really clicked. This is the first time I've ever played it on bass guitar. I always played it on, on guitar. So it has a new feel for me. And I, I really enjoy singing it with these, these guys. All right. And did you bring some sheet music of it for Martha? No, Martha wrote her own chords for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Dan, it's your name on the trio, so we'll give you the last word. I, I can't think of anything else to add to that. No, I, I think, uh, but it's, it's kind of John's baby when he brought it to the group, so, yeah. All right. Well, we've been speaking with the Dan Nelson Trio, composed of guitarist Dan Nelson, Martha Marnaka on keyboards, and bassist John Gruber. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us on. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Caught the train, left me all alone. Yeah, my baby caught a train, she left me all alone. She knows that I love her, she's doing me wrong. My baby bought a ticket, long as her right arm. Long as my right arm She says she's gonna ride Long as I've been from home Welcome back to Simply Superior. I'm Robin Washington, and we're joined by Rick Lubbers of the Duluth News Tribune. Hello, Rick. Hi, Robin. We also have a report from WPR News reporter Danielle Kading on a move by the Bad River tribe of Lake Superior, Chippewa, seeking an emergency court order to shut down the Enbridge Energy oil and gas pipeline due to fears about river flooding. Here's her report. Attorneys for the Bad River Band of Lake Superior Chippewa filed an emergency motion in federal court to shut down Line 5. The tribe's attorneys say the Bad River is less than 15 feet from the pipeline at four locations and only 11 feet of riverbank remains in one spot. Bad River Tribal Chair Mike Wiggins Jr. says the situation poses a tangible threat to the Bad River watershed and Lake Superior. Enbridge is all about profit over everything and uh, we are about our future generations and protecting our ecosystems and downstream resources. Enbridge says there's no cause for alarm and no risk to the pipeline, which continues to operate safely. An Enbridge spokesperson says a shutdown would have severe consequences for the U.S. and Canada. The tribe's attorneys want a federal judge to rule on its motion by Friday. Daniel Kading, Wisconsin Public Radio. And that ruling was indeed requested for today. So, Rick, in addition to flooding, spring also means road repair, and the city of Duluth has found a pot of gold, if you will, for fixing those potholes, specifically money coming from federal pandemic relief. Yes, uh, Duluth Mayor Emily Larson got her wish Monday night uh, when the city council reversed course and voted not to implement budget cuts that had earlier been approved in an effort to rein in property taxes. 
following Larson's lead, uh, the council will instead use federal pandemic relief assistance the city received through the American Rescue Plan Act to plug a $383,000 budget gap uh, created when they sought to trim 1% uh, from city administration's proposed 8.9% levy increase. Uh, counselors had in, uh, previously expressed concerns about using one-time federal funding to cover the city's ongoing operation costs. The Larson pointed out that the picture has changed since the December budget setting vote. Uh, Larson suggested the city's financial outlook has brightened considerably. She noted in April that uh, Duluth is now anticipating more than a $5 million boost in local government aid it received from the state. Uh, one counselor, however, uh, noted that the increase in local government aid could be a more modest $2 million based on recent Senate committee proposals. Uh, but the ordinance to amend the city budget uh, passed on an 8-to-1 vote uh, with 3rd District Counselor Roz Randorf, the sole dissenter. Uh, she expressed concern about not finding $383,000 of savings in a $107 million budget. The reallocation of American Rescue Plan Act funds will leave Duluth with just $38,000 in remaining undedicated federal pandemic relief funding. Um, this is according to City Finance Director Jen Carlson. Uh, but again, the, uh, the ordinance passed by an 8-to-1 vote. Um, and now that pandemic relief money will be used in the budget. All right. Well, however they're paying for it, if the roads are fixed, you might head out of town to a local lake. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, Wisconsinites already enjoyed their fishing opener uh, last week. Uh, and Minnesota's fishing opener starts at 12.01 a.m. Saturday. Uh, but as of Wednesday, most lakes in northern Minnesota still had some ice on them. But many of those lakes should lose their ice over the next week. The ice out had progressed as far north as some Brainerd area lakes. The exception appears to be lakes in Minnesota's Arrowhead region, uh, which remain stubbornly locked in ice with snow on the ground in the woods still. Um, it's very likely several lakes in Cook Lake and northern St. Louis counties won't be ice-free by Saturday. Uh, the most current information, of course, will be able to come from local bait shops, lodges, or residents on a lake. Uh, a statewide interactive map showing lake ice out status is also available on the Minnesota DNR website. Now, anglers may experience a mental shortage as well this season uh, due to the tough winter and late ice out. Uh, heavy snow on top of the ice on minnow rearing ponds in west central Minnesota blocked sunlight and caused a decrease in oxygen, and many ponds suffered winter kill. Some ponds are producing fewer than one quarter the number of minnows expected, and bait shops may be in short supply. Uh, so buy your bait as early as possible, um, but expect to pay a little bit more than in past years. All right, I'll remember that. And finally, back on the roads, there's one in the Twin Cities metro area that might be perfect for your little red Corvette or anything purple. <laughs> yes, uh, late music icon and Minnesota native Prince will soon have a state highway named in his honor uh, with purple signs marking the route. Uh, the Minnesota Senate on May 4 passed a bill uh, to rename a road for the pop star uh, who died in 2016. Uh, seven miles of Trunk Highway 5 in the southwest Minneapolis suburbs of Chanhassen and Eden Prairie will be called the Prince Rogers Nelson Memorial Highway. Uh, Senate discussion of the bill was replete with references to Prince's music and stories from lawmakers about their interactions with the star, with one senator referencing the opening lines of Prince's Let's Go Crazy. Members, or I suppose dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called the 2023 legislative session. We never mean to cause you any sorrow. We never mean to cause you any pain. 
We only want to see you laughing, laughing and celebrating with this purple sign. Uh, Minnesota highway signs can't be purple, however, under Department of Transportation guidelines. But in this case, lawmakers consulted with the agency and worked to make an exception. Memorial highways are typically marked with a brown sign. The cost of renaming the highway and all the signage is being covered by friends and fans of the late artist, and there will be no cost to taxpayers. Uh, Prince uh, was born in Minneapolis on June 7, 1958. Uh, he started playing music at a young age and by 19 had his first record deal. Uh, he exploded into stardom in the 80s, becoming famous for hits like When Doves Cry and Purple Rain. Uh, Multi-instrumentalist and prolific musician, uh, Prince released nearly 40 albums over his career and sold more than 100 million records. Uh, many of his recordings remain unreleased. Prince died of an accidental fentanyl overdose on April 21, 2016 at Paisley Park, uh, his home and recording studio in Chanhassen, and the uh, Seven Mile Highway passes uh, Paisley Park. The Memorial Highway Bill passed the House previously on the uh, seventh anniversary of Prince's death, uh, and then was passed last week by the Senate and then signed by Governor Tim Walls. Uh, the dedication is expected to happen sometime before June 7th. All right, and we're sure the governor signed it, correct? <laughs> yes, he has officially signed it in purple ink, I believe. All right. Well, I'm double-checking because Minnesota lawmakers may have paid special attention to that. After having intended to name a stretch of road in Duluth, the Walter F. Mondale Highway, back in the 2000 aughts, but they forgot they didn't really pass the bill at the end of a busy session, and your newspaper reminded them in a surprise editorial the next year, and they indeed got to it the following session and had an opening ceremony with the former vice president where they presented to him a cake uh, and a facsimile of that newspaper page. We've been joined by Rick Lovers, executive editor of the Duluth News Tribune. Thank you, Rick. Thanks, Robin. You can stay updated on these stories and all the regional news anytime at WPR.org and DuluthNewsTribune.com. And that's it for this edition of Simply Superior. We leave you with more of the music of the Dan Nelson Trio. I'm Robin Washington. Stay safe, everyone. Thank you.